Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that always continues to set records. And then, of course, we break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And Tony, we have a barn burner of an episode today. We're so excited for this guest. And before we get to her, we got to give some love. Yes. Some of our amazing sponsors, including a brand new one. So we'll get a new sponsor. Sponsor, so that's exciting. So let's start with John Mutton. Yes. Uh, team at Municipal Solutions, fresh from Warsaw. He's back, Warsaw. baby. He's back from Warsaw. The Muttonator is back in town. And we're so excited to have him back in Canada. And of course, we're excited to have Municipal Solutions as a sponsor. And I know you want to share a little bit about what they do. Yes, municipalsolutions.ca, John Mutton and the team, they are very, very helpful in a lot of matters. I, I know this for a fact. I've seen them in action. They're great for business development. They understand how to do market analysis, energy and infrastructure advancement, strategic planning, stakeholder and government relations, public policy development. Municipal Solutions has it all at municipalsolutions.ca, and we really appreciate them being a presenting sponsor. And we also got to give some love to Lord and Lady Coffee. You can find them online at lordandlady.ca. Do they do uh, small batch local roasting of uh, different blends, dark roast, espresso, medium roast. We got a decaf now, and we ship anywhere in Canada. Spend over 40 bucks, and shipping is free. Lordandlady.ca. And of course, a brand new sponsor. And Tony, brand new sponsor. Because we're excited about this one. Yes, we are. Guess what? We've got Polytrack as a sponsor. Now, Jody, did you know that we have uh, government relations professionals who listen to our podcast? It's true. And Polytrack offers GR Pros a secure hub to store their advocacy data. This includes stakeholder contact details, engagement reports, and key messages. You know, it's so important because when you're a government relations professional, you have a lot of compliance, a little bit of red tape, you got reportings you've got to do, et cetera, et cetera. So if you have advocacy data at your fingertips, you get to spend your time growing your practice rather than on the compliance details of your business. So visit polytrack.com. That's P-O-L-I-T-R-A-Q. Dot com And how's this? If you mention And Another Thing podcast, when you sign up, you receive their white glove onboarding service free, free Jody, which wow. includes a tutorial and Q&A for your team. So all of you GR pros out there, check out polytrack.com and Chris Moffat Arms and the gang will help you. And thank you, Polytrack, for being our latest sponsor. Well, that's all the time we have for today's podcast. Uh, <laughs> gotta pay the bills. Gotta pay the bills. We gotta pay the piper. That's how it works. I hope you're feeling okay. I'm feeling good today. I know we're in lockdown and all that, but uh, I'm I'm in I'm in the mood that you know if I don't have to see anybody, I'm fine with that. So you know the rest of the world can go and do their thing. I I've done my Bernie Sanders memes for the day, so I'm I'm all good. Yeah, we're not we're not. Are we? Are you planning on mentioning the inauguration today or no? Well, I just I did. I mean, the big, the biggest thing about the inauguration was Bernie Sanders uh, sitting there in his chair exactly. and with his big mittens. Exactly. He stole the show. So. He stole the All show. Right. Let's get to our guest. I know that uh, we are excited uh, to welcome this individual. And, Tony, I'll let you do the introduction, and we'll roll. 
Well, it is certainly, and another thing, podcasts, pride and joy to welcome to our program the Member of Provincial Parliament for Nepean in Ontario since 2006, the Honourable Lisa McLeod. She is the Minister of Heritage, Sport, Tourism and Culture Industries. Welcome to our program, Lisa. Well, thanks, very much. thanks, Tony. Thanks, Jody. It's great to be here. Despite my technological inabilities, I, I got on, so I'm excited about that. Well, we're very glad you did. So tell us, and we do ask this once in a while, how's COVID treating you? Are you hanging in there? Uh, yeah, hanging in there. I have had my moments. You know, all my sectors have been shuttered, so a lot of really, uh, really difficult stories, a lot of challenging days ahead. Uh, but I always say if I got through uh, yesterday, I can get through today and tomorrow. So we've been moving along, and um, thankfully no one in my family has had COVID-19, and uh, we've been hunkered down here in Nepean. Uh, I've been basically in my house since the 23rd of December and uh, just, just waiting for uh, the lockdown to end, just like everyone else. Our fingers and toes crossed. Now, you you said it right. I mean, you, your ministry, they were your your stakeholders, as we call them, you know, the sports sector, tourism, heritage, first to close, and they say last to open. Tell us what that's been like for, for you working with those stakeholders and uh, and uh, just, you know, what uh, what they've been going through. Yeah, and you know, Tony, you were health minister during SARS, I believe, and yes, um, right. yeah, and then of course uh, dealing with the, the catastrophic recession that we dealt with um, when you were treasury board president, likely um, during the last recession that we had uh, federally. So um, you would know that a number of these sectors are very vulnerable when um, a pandemic hits or there's a recession, and so um, obviously they were shuttered effectively March the 12th. Now we had a bit of a reprieve in the summer, and Jody, you know, uh, living in Belleville and uh, and 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 working around there would know that um, you know it had a bit a bit of a, an uptick in tourism at that point in time but um, it's been nothing short of devastating I literally have two sectors up and running right now one is film and television production who has among the most stringent protocols in place in testing um, but are limited to 10 uh, people on the set and uh, then the NHL which again is doing an, an enormous amount of rapid testing which means all of my minor sports are shuttered every museum Every cultural attraction, every tourism attraction, our hotels are at, uh, you know, single-digit capacity. Our restaurants are uh, offering only takeout and, and delivery. So uh, when you look at the sum of all of our parts, it's a pretty dismal um, time. Of course, live music uh, also being part of that. But i got to say, like, we launched a campaign today um, called Hashtag Stay Home On, and it was this sector, it was this ministry um, and our partners, uh, many of whom um, are shuttered, that stood up and said, no, we need to take these stay-at-home orders seriously. If we want to get back to work and we want to get COVID put behind us, we got to follow the public health measures and we got to thank those frontline and essential workers. So, look, uh, it's tough. hear a lot of really awful stories. And the other side of that, though, is the remarkable resilience and the creativity of the sectors that I represent. So it's going to be a long haul, but when we come through it, I think we're going to have a more refined and better product. And I think we're going to be global leaders in a lot of things. I, I think Jody wanted to hop in about uh, the sports sector in particular. Jody, you had a question for the minister. Yeah, I just had two quick ones, Lisa, just on, on your comment about everyone coming together in that sector and saying, you know, we need to heed the medical advice and, and stay home so we can get through this and, you know, get to better, more prosperous times as a tour. I'm speaking directly to tourism. How do you assure or what kind of conversations are going on with the tourism sector 
so that, I mean, because obviously they're going to be anxious to get going back again, but there's also the part of the population that's not comfortable until, say, there's zero cases, which we know is not going to happen anytime soon. But how do you balance that going back into tourism and assuring people everything's okay with, you know, not having the public say, well, why would you want people to go visit other areas? Like, what's that conversation like? Yeah, like that's probably the best question to ask this ministry uh, right now is because um, just because we can open things when it happens doesn't necessarily mean people are going to come. So my conversations literally started on January 25th when the first case of COVID-19 came to Ontario. And I said to my ministry, we are going to review everything that happened to SARS, um, everything that happened during 9-11, and we're going to see how we can best protect our sectors uh, from a fallout. I did not expect that this pandemic, nor did any of us, I think, thought it would last as long and uh, as be as bumpy as it has been. Um, that said, what we did is we created a number of tables uh, because the ministry is so broad, uh, 14 different ministerial advisory committees, many about travel and trade tourism, and uh, really began to work with the sector on a day-in and day-out basis then. Uh, and then, of course, as we shuttered, really got a sense of what they needed immediately in terms of PPE, that sort of thing, to and safety protocols, and then the more longer-term approach. So we, we've we had 14 telephone town halls, uh, over 1,000 people attended. Tony, your old friend, uh, Tony, Cle- uh, Tony Clement, Tim, Tim Hudak uh, yeah. was our moderator he's done a, a great job of that um we've done a white paper that i've released to talk about what the recovery will look like but as importantly and to your point uh, jody about consumer confidence and that we're gonna have the same issue in sport is we've engaged ipsos three times to look at consumer confidence and what it would take for somebody to want to stay in a hotel like how long it would take for them to get comfortable um would it require a vaccine uh, would it require a treatment um and and uh, you know the numbers for our sectors are quite dim and so we have to go back into the the field uh, on that and the other area i want to test because as tony would know as a former mpp the ontario trillium foundation uh follows into this ministry and uh, all of that supports not-for-profits and so what now is going to be not only the impact in getting kids into soccer back at um, in a music festival or into a tourism attraction, what's the impact now on the charitable sector uh, in, in both in terms of philanthropy with respect to donations, but also with volunteerism? So these are some of the, the very big issues that are on our mind uh, day in and day out. Lisa, I'm going to ask one more question and then Tony, I know, wants to jump in as well. I wanted to ask just because here in Belleville, uh, where we are, we have an AHL hockey team, and I'm sure you get this question a lot. The NHL uh, has gotten clearance uh, from the Canadian side of things, of course, to play um, in their loop uh, within our country. I'm curious, what's the status on Canadian teams, or I should say Ontario teams, Belleville Senators, <laughs> obviously naming them, uh, with AHL and being able to play and starting a season? Yeah, look, I think the AHL would like to have a Canadian division similar to the NHL. Um, I've been meeting regularly with the NHL. So both the Senators and the Leafs, I've re- I speak with regularly, like maybe three to six times a week. Um, so this very much is on our radar. Um, we're right now working with the Ministry of Health to see what might be possible, if at all. And uh, it, it, these these are still ongoing discussions. I, and I can say, you know, um, I had the I invited to, um, your 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 friend and my my friend, uh, MPP and Minister Todd Smith, on a call last week uh, with the AHL 
SAS, it's really the NHL that we're meeting with, um, and and my my officials just to see uh, what might look what that might look like. But again, any return to play for anybody is going to require um, NHL level rigor um, and adherence to social uh, pro, you know the, the the distancing protocols within uh, the arenas. Um, the standards that they have set with respect to sanitation, uh, the rapid testing that's required, um, as well as the stay-at-home orders that uh, they're required to follow when they're not playing. So um, we would have to see something as robust as that. But you know what? We we talk to everybody. We meet with ski hills. We meet with banquet halls. Um, everybody is basically shuttered, and, and we're always open to having conversations and seeing what might be possible. I, uh, I'm really interested in the process of thinking ahead. And uh, it sounds like you're having those kinds of discussions. You're not just looking at helping people right now get through this terrible time, but you're also looking ahead to uh, what it would look like to open up. And uh, obviously, uh, one of the areas that I care uh, emotionally about is live music. Uh, you know, I, I play in a band, not that that makes any difference, but I, I'm also a massive consumer of live music. So, and I know that there's, there's been all these, uh, things that they've tried in different parts of the world, you know, physical distancing, uh, of chairs and so on, or uh, having actual bubbles that you're in all these things. Are, are, are there some, uh, thoughts as to how we can get live music going again? Yeah, I mean that that's a great question because it's it's really one that that does concern me and I think just to get to your first point about thinking ahead, I'm drafting out a 5-year plan. Now when it kickstarts is going to be up to public health, but uh, when when it kickstarts we're going to be ready for reemergence um, in each one of our sectors and uh, you know we take a, a lot of lead time from them. The work is ongoing for example with Destination Ontario and our regional tourism organizations um, and we continually work all the time with uh, with uh, you know Aaron Benjamin Canadian live music, as well as uh, Alan Reed of the Junos and, and Karis. And so uh, one of the things is, is uh, what does the Junos look like this year, frankly? Yeah. And we've we've recommitted to supporting them uh, this and it's year. it's the 50th anniversary, isn't it? We've, yeah, we've recommitted to, to, to the 50th. So I was there with with Alan Reed to say, let's see how we can do this. Hopefully, there there will be uh, orders lifted so that there will be some ability to do that. Um, you know, we're looking at conversations with them and how I might support them in outer years. Uh, we traditionally haven't supported live music venues within the ministry, but uh, you know that's something that we're looking at right now because some of these live music venues are iconic, uh, like Massey Hall um, and so many others, and so we want to make sure that uh, that. Uh, infrastructure is protected. And a couple of things that I did early on in the pandemic uh, that may have people scratching their head, but this, uh, somebody is, loves music, I think you would appreciate this, Tony. Um, the first thing is we flowed money to festivals, uh, music festivals, that had to be either uh, cancelled or go online. And the reason we did that is because we recognized that they had sunk in eligible costs, and we want to make sure um, as, as we get out of COVID-19 that Blues Fest in Ottawa, for example, um, survives. And so we wanted to make sure that that infrastructure remained in place. And, uh, and so we've had a, a degree of success. We created another fund called Reconnect, um, which was a $9 million fund to encourage people to go um, – to go online, virtual, or drive-in or drive-through. And so a number of uh, those folks that 
traditionally do their live music festivals with 100,000 people, um, were able to uh, reach their audience in a different way. And finally, we worked with uh, with um, a group called Music Together, which was led by all of the music executives in Toronto. And we, um, we collaborated with them uh, to put uh, $350,000 uh, into the pockets of, uh, of individual artists. They were able to get $1,000 to put on a live performance on mm-hmm. that platform and uh, do do so from the safety of their own home. So we're looking at opportunities where we might be able to do more things like that. And, uh, of course, in the most recent round of um, the budget that Rod Phillips delivered, uh, we had $25 million extra for, for arts. And so that funding will be getting out the door, um, hopefully in very short order, to uh, to many of these groups. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting uh, in, in, in lieu of reopening traditional venues, what you're seeing is people, uh, some people at least, are trying to find a way. I mean, uh, the advent of TikTok as a music platform, as a good example, uh, people are getting their music out there, uh, established bands, uh, new emerging artists, that kind of thing. So, I mean, really what you're doing is you're, you're trying to be the helping hand uh, while uh, they find a way to find their market in these, uh, in these challenging times. Yeah, like I really view myself as more of like a catalyst and bringing people together like we did today with our stay home on a campaign that we you know first led off with Rick Mercer and then so many others came on side and really helped us promote that. It's really like I'm, you know, I, I'm the person that just introduces point A to point B, and then they can make it happen. As I, If I can just be that lift, that's what we want to do in the ministry until this uh, this settles down and make sure that um, we get liquidity into the sector and that we give them hope that we're not forgetting about them. We recognize how important they are. I always say, Tony, that my ministry is responsible for a spectacular double bottom line. You know, you're, you're from Muskoka, tourism, $36 billion, culture, uh, which includes live music, uh, streaming um it includes you know film and tv is a 26 billion dollar sector sport if you can believe it in ontario and recreation is 12.6 billion dollars in economic activity put it together you're looking at 76 billion in economic activity then put them all together in a different way they really are responsible for the social and cultural fabric of what it means to be an ontario and what we're proud of um the, the, the pride of place, the pride of people, right? And so, you know, we have to be very careful with these sectors because they really define who we are right? and they account for so many jobs. Do you think that a vaccine passport will be implemented uh, if you want to go to a sporting event or uh, a music event or what have you? Is, is that one of the things being talked about? You know, it's hard to say. I think um, we'd really like to be in a position in the next uh, several months that uh, the majority of the the population is vaccinated. Um, I think something like that would be likely looked at at the federal level. Um, We we are right now just really focused on making sure people are tested, uh, getting the vaccines into the long-term care and retirement homes, and then more broadly, um, the the general population. So that's been the conversation. But, you know, we've heard heard these, uh, these ideas minced about elsewhere so it's hard to say where our federal government may land on that we can't let you go without uh, i'm, I'm going to editorialize here the, the the vaccine rollout 
and I'm sure Premier Ford is very frustrated about this. I know he uh, he tried to get a hold of uh, the uh, the CEO of Pfizer, uh, and that actually sparked some reaction from Prime Minister Trudeau, so that he had he, you know he had to show that he was uh, trying to put some pressure on Pfizer too. But really, I, I just get the sense that Canada is at the back of the queue, and uh, and it's so frustrating because we have we've had ten months to or more to to be ready for this moment and you're doing all this planning in your ministry uh you know getting ready for the next phase and yet here we are waiting for the vaccine is it frustrating sometimes yeah i mean no question um you know when i speak to my federal counterparts i have two ministers that uh, i work with and you know i raise it uh it's it's a it's a concern you know when when the people that you represent around the cabinet table are out of work um, because they're high touch, uh, high volume in terms of people, environments, um, you know, you you really just want to f- figure out any way, shape, or form you can get them back. And recognizing for many of my sectors, like theme parks, for example, um, who have been shuttered for over a year um, because many of them, you know, would have closed in you know September or October of uh, 2019 um, for the season. Uh, that that you know they they're antsy they and and i think that there's a real desire for people to want to get back to some of the old things that they used to do um even recognizing some of the consumer behavior changes that we're going to see so um if, you know the big the big white hope for my sectors is uh is is early vaccination and everyone vaccinated and so um you know my hope is that the federal government does, uh, you know, does work with us to make sure that um, you know General Rick Hillier can get as many needles and doses into people's arms as possible, um, so that we can we could have a summer with um, with a lot more activity. I I, um, I want to switch gears. I know Jody has a question he wants to ask too, but uh, you're a prominent uh, uh, woman in politics and. Uh, of course, uh, with the inauguration uh, and Kamala Harris being the U.S. vice president, uh, a lot of uh, commentary and a, a lot of uh, people thinking about uh, women in politics and uh, the advancements that were that have been made. But uh, obviously, uh, people want to, to make sure that uh, women have as equal a chance to be involved in political life as uh, men do. Uh, first of all, what were your thoughts seeing Kamala Harris being inaugurated? And secondly, more generally, your thoughts about uh, the progression of, of women in politics? Yeah, uh, that's a really great question. Obviously, um, I was really excited to see her advance. Very intelligent woman, really, really incredibly smart. Um, wonderful to see her family uh, and you know the, the the young nieces or great nieces uh, be part of that. Uh, I was really excited for a variety of reasons. Um, as somebody who represents you know um, multiculturalism effectively and within my Ministry of Culture, uh, very proud to see uh, somebody of South Asian and, and Black uh, you know heritage um, really break a, a ceiling as well as being a female. So I thought that was great. I love the Canadian connection. Not gonna lie, Tony. I just yeah. that makes me really excited too um and also i just feel like she's very confident and i think seeing that uh, i hope uh, she she maintains that confidence and grace uh, going forward and i wish her well and i wish president biden well um they have a lot of work to heal um as you know the tensions can can always rise in politics but um mm. it, it was especially uh, it was especially heated there um 
in their their election. So I wish them well, and I think they'll do they'll they'll do fine. Um, with respect to progression of women in politics, I think about this all the time. Um, I think about when I was elected in two thousand six, and Victoria had just been born, um, and there were very few women in the legislature, and there were very very few women uh, who had small children in the legislature, and she had just been a baby, and so. You know, I had to fight to make Queen's Park a little bit more family friendly because when you guys were there, Tony, you were sitting until midnight some nights. And oh, yeah, no, all, all the time. That. Exactly. So we inherited that. So I, I said one day, and I, why are we sitting at one in the afternoon until midnight and not nine until six? And so, you know, we changed those rules and that, that was great. Um, but what I have seen in terms of the advancement and more women in politics is there's more vitriol now um, mm -hmm. against us. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a living example of that. I, uh, I've i had uh, multiple death threats. I've had someone incarcerated not once but three times. And uh, I've had to live with OPP protection off and on for the past uh, two years. And so uh, I don't think I would have expected that um, early in my career. And I'm not the only one. And I'm not the only one. And, and it's, we're not from the only party, right? So Catherine McKenna, who is from my city in Ottawa, federal cabinet minister, has been dealt with a lot of uh, vitriol toward her, a lot of harassment um, verbally. So I think that um, there's a there's a role for all of us to play. And what I try to do, even with my own daughter, is when I see a woman succeed in politics, regardless of political party, you know, we sit down to, together, watch that speech, watch Kathleen win. Uh, win a leadership. Um, watch Alison Redford win a leadership. And, right. you know, nothing wrong with that. Like that's, uh, you know, we can be agree, a dis we, we can disagree without being disagreeable. And, um, but I think because of social media, it's really uh, been downgraded. I think people really feel that they can attack you for your looks, for your weight, uh, for your eyeshadow, <laughs> for, you know, for how you speak. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, we need to level up on that. So, um, that's my one concern, but it was yeah. uh, a, a defining moment, I think, for the United States with Kamala Harris. Jody, last uh, last question for our, a wonderful guest. Yeah, Lisa, before we let you go, because we want to make sure that we honor your time. And I just wanted to pivot back to the initiative that you launched, um, hashtag stay home on or on uh, with influencers and people in social media and people that are known throughout the country and province. Uh, sharing their thoughts on how important it is for the stay-at-home order. And I just want to say, I know that you're about to ask Tony and I to do a video. And, uh, we, we're honored. We, we oh, good. honored That's you. good. <laughs> because I, I don't know if I can do 22 languages like the Premier, though. Yeah, he did well, eh? Uh, you know what? I was, I, you're right. I was going to ask you, anybody I've spoken with today is really, I've been like, you got to do this. And you know, everyone knows the two of you. So it would be really <laughs> yeah. great if you would do that. Oh, yeah. Um, it, would, it would be fantastic. And you know what I've been finding is just the people that organically have been part of this. You know, we did not spend a red cent on this campaign. It was just really going through, um, what, you know, my role. I don't even have a Rolodex, but let's just pretend I've got a Rolodex or my contact list and asking people to be part of it. And uh, everybody just seems to want it. You know, they, they just they want this to be over. And right. the only way that's going to happen is if we, you know, is if we stay home. <laughs> that's really it, you know. So. It worked out well. It's all about the math. Lisa McLeod, it's been an honor to have you on our program. We wish you well. We know you've got a very uh, challenging sector that you we want, we want to nurse back to life, and uh, we certainly wish you well on that journey. All right. Thanks, guys, and all the very best to you, and thanks for the kind invitation. It was really, really a lot of fun. Great interview. She's a lot of fun, and as you mentioned, Tony, uh, I can sense a lot of, I mean, she'd be feeling the pressure because that is a sector that has been just, 
hit very, very hard. Indeed. And and I think she's been very proactive, uh, all these uh, different uh, groups, uh, tables that she's uh, she's convened and so on. That's that's how you should be a minister, quite frankly. You can't just wait for the disaster to, to fall on your lap. So good, good for her. We, we really uh, wish her well. Well, that wraps up uh, this episode. We've run out of time. Again, thanks to our sponsors, Municipal Solutions, Lord and Lady Coffee, and, and as well, our new sponsor... Polytrack, uh, that's with a Q. Go to polytrack.com. Mention and another thing podcast when you sign up and you receive their white glove onboarding service free. Polytrack.com. And before we end this completely, Tony, are we allowed to say we have some great guests coming up? Like, are we allowed to? Like, are they confirmed? Can we just drop some hints? Or yeah, that- sure. I think we uh, next week we've got the Muttonator coming on because he's got a, a real story about how he was trapped for 33 days in a Warsaw hotel. So yeah. uh, that, that's coming up. And then after that, we've got uh, the mayor of Brampton, Patrick Brown, who's uh, confirmed to be our interviewee. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Definitely. All right. Well, take care, Tony. Stay safe. And we will do this again in seven days.